welcome to another edition of the SBK Betting Podcast. And I'm very pleased that I'm joined again by racing pundit George Baker and Tom Collins from the Racing Post. Well, after a blow part effort in week one, we certainly made it up, up for it last week. And maybe Tom, you're our lucky charm. You joined us. Um, whatever it is, it works. We pulled off the Cesarowicz 1 2 with Buzz coming in at 10 to 1 and heartbreakingly for Tom, burning victory second at 12 to 1, but still great each way poke that was. And George, you got involved with it as well. Dubai Poet each way that came off in at 7 to 1 as well. So more of the same this week, please, guys, um, in what will be an extremely important day on Saturday. Huge prize money and the race will come down to the wire for the Jockeys' Championship as well. So, first of all, Tom, how are you after the heartbreak of Saturday? Um, have you managed to get over that yet? And I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not sure if it come to a surprise to you that I was just that little bit delighted that the result went the way it did. <laughs> no, fair play to you, Jess. Um, perfect piece of placement um, with Buzz to, um, exploiting that flat mark of 98. Yes, I am heartbroken. I thought Burning Victory looked the winner throughout. Willem Buick had her in the perfect position. She kicked for home. And even with 100 yards to go, I thought she was still going to hold off Buzz. But he just showed that tenacity and gutsiness to get past Burning Victory. I was heartbroken, but I did message you straight after the race um, to say well done. So uh, look, it means more to you than it means to, to my bank account anyway. We'll just get cracking in on British Champions Day this Saturday at Ascot. Four group ones. Um, they've got a group two in there. The, the Balmoral Handicap is a brilliant betting race as well. Um, so we'll draw, dive straight in. Obviously, the ground is always a big feature. Great, guys, that we finally have some decent ground for Champions Day. There's a bit of rain around on Saturday, but it looks like it won't be worse than the easy side of good, maybe good to soft, um, which means that it's a pretty much a level playing field. No excuses. Um, and we'll set, set up first with the long distance cut, which was obviously won by Trushan last year. Uh, he had a phenomenal win in France last time on out uh, with James Duell on board. Holly back on. Uh, we've got Stradivarius coming back into this. Looks like perhaps it could be his last race. Um, this legend of a horse back at his favourite hunting ground. He obviously had his disappointing race in here last year. And then we've got some other um, other horses in this. Is this a two-horse race, uh, Tom Collins? Um, what, where do you, what do you, how do you think this might pan out? Well, the two horses that head the market, Stradivarius and Trushan, have obviously faced each other many times. They've Stradivarius dominated division for years. He's 19 from 31. I love Stradivarius. He's one of my favourite horses um, in my top two, actually. Um, I hope he does get a 20th career victory before he ends his career. Trushan's kind of taken the mantle recently. His win in the Kadram was really impressive. But he's not going to get his ground here. The forecast suggests it's going to be dry. It's currently good to soft. I imagine it's going to be good by the off time. I think you've got to oppose both at the prices. And the one that I like is Berkshire Rocco. He's currently 14 to 1 with SBK, which I think is a really decent bet. Um, he represents Andrew Balding. Seems to be have campaigned with this race in mind. He went to Qatar early in the year. Um, he's only had one prep race since. He came back and finished second last month. It was a decent effort in a small field. Um, last year, he proved he could handle this track. He won the Noel Merlis here. And then uh, that was one start after finishing second behind Galileo Chrome in the St. Ledger, which proved that he can, he can compete in grade one, uh, group one races. So I think at 14 to 1 with cheap pieces fitted, ideal ground, prepped for this race, I think he's a great each way bet against the two um, more experienced and well-known rivals. Does it, the, the race last time behind Quickthorn, it doesn't 
he went off a very short price. That does that you mm-hmm. see that as a good pipe opener into this, if anything. Yeah, it was just a prep run. He'd been off for a long period of time. Quickthorn's a decent horse as well. Um, small field probably didn't suit Berkshire Rocco. He appreciates more of a test. He should get that here. Um, and yeah, you, with the cheap pieces now fitted, you kind of think, okay, that was a run just to get in that little bit fitter, probably 80, 85%. Now coming into Champions Day, his ideal target for the season. I think he's going to run a big race. Yeah, only four years of age and pretty likely race as well. Andrew Balding is going to be desperately hoping he can... He can get some big wins this weekend. He's now 400,000 behind Charlie Appleby and to the race to the Trainers' Championship as well. And this is a big, big um, money payout weekend as well. George, um, interesting thoughts from Tom there. Um, These horses, Princess Zoe as well, um, as Stradivarius and Trushan, all ran against each other not too long ago in the Prix de Cadran. Quite a quick turnaround. What what are you thinking in terms of this race? Yeah, I... I feel that it is a very quick turnaround to travel over to France um, to race on pretty deep ground as it was that day. I think it was in the description, it was very soft ground, um, but it would look proper hard work. And a horse I really like, and he, we haven't seen very much of him recently. He had his comeback run in the September stakes as Hamish of William Haggis's. He is a horse who we don't, I, we definitely don't know what his ceiling is. He's a very likely race five-year-old. And I can't tell you what a good... I know he was being aimed at the e-ball um, and that, that all didn't go to plan, i.e. the ground. But um, this is going to be perfect conditions for him. And just to let you know, Jess, I did a course walk at Ascot on Tuesday and it's in fantastic condition. The round track is not really being used that much. It's recovered extremely well after that very downpour they had two weeks ago there for the Ben Goff meeting. And it's going to be, as long as they don't get rain, it's going to be beautifully safe sort of good soft ground um, and there's, I think there's going to be a little bit of a bias on the straight track but the round track's very fair Yeah, interesting, that's good insight and look, I agree with you, I think Hamish is the unexposed horse he's also, he comes into this very fresh, he didn't really take William Haggis that much by surprise in, in how he ran in the September stakes I listened to him saying that, you know, he was pretty much spot on for it and the form is working out so well with Hookham who's gone and franked it since, he's around 5-1 to one at the moment, I with SBK, I agree with you George another son of that great sire motivator who had this as our rich winner last, last week weekend um and they like they have they always show that true guts and i think that horse considering what he's had to overcome um injuries and they do want this this ground will be he'll he definitely throws a a good interesting spanner in the works to try and dismantle trusham from his 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 long distance cup crown okay we'll head on to um the next race on champions day which is the British champion sprint stakes over at the six furlongs. Always a good betting race, guys, because over the last few years, I think it's the last four years, we've had double figure price winners. Um, not that will happen every year, but I think it, always, it just goes to show the quality of the sprinters. You can't, they come into this, you shouldn't underestimate anything, really. Um, we've seen them probably run uh, against each other in and out most weekends throughout the, throughout the season. Art Power will head the betting dragon symbol he's danced most dances and probably deserves um a day in the sunshine uh, rohan as well who was very eye-catching in the flying five last time tom i'll come to you first in terms of this race it's remarkable really if you look if you look through um the fact that the likes of glenn shield who won this last year at double figure price is a double figure price again what do you think uh, you need in terms of a horse to win this race when it comes to what nearly is the middle of October with these sprinters being on the go all year? 
Well, usually, obviously, you need speed, you need stamina to stay the six furlong trip. And you need a battle-hardened horse who manages to sustain their performances across the season. Um, Glen Shield would have been of, of serious interest to me at the prices if there was any sign of rain. Um, but there isn't. It looks like it's going to be um, too quick, potentially, for Glen Shield. Um, Dragon Symbol, as you mentioned, deserves a win. But again, he's been competing at the top level for a long period of time. Maybe it's going to take its effect here. If not, then he's a big player. I'm going to go slightly outside the box, albeit the market doesn't suggest it's outside the box, with Minzal, who has only been seen five times in his career. Um, he's currently available at 8-1 with SBK, which I think is a very fair price. Last year, he was a really impressive two-year-old. Um, he won the gym crack in scintillating fashion. He bolted clear that day. And then he finished second, uh, third, sorry, in a really good middle park, won by Supremacy, who, yes, hasn't trained on this year, but the second was Lucky Vega. Um, who subsequently finished second in St. James's Palace behind Poetic Flair. That form seems to be stacking up. Minzao's only run once this season. I don't know whether he's had an issue early in the campaign, but he's been very lightly raced. He's kind of a forgotten horse in this sphere. Um, as you mentioned, we've seen a lot of these horses ply their trade against each other throughout the, throughout the year. Minzao hasn't been one of them, um, but his reappearance over five furlongs was really eye-catching behind Tis Marvelous. I think the step-up and trip will suit. He handles the track pretty well. Um, and his main asset is his high cruising speed. And I think in this field against the likes of Art Power, who's going to set a fast gallop, it's just going to suit him because he's going to travel into the race and then hopefully have plenty left in the tank for a big power pack finish. Yeah, it's a, he's a curious horse. Owen Burrows was quoted to say that he got through the ground last time at Ascot when it was soft and that they know he's better when, on good going. So they were really going to keep an eye on the going. They've declared him on what is much better than it was last time out in the Rouse Stakes. So that's a real key for him. So he is interesting, Minzal. And as you say, a less sort of uh, exposed horse, if you like, of all these sprinters. George, it's a big field, always a bit of a cavalry charge. Uh, where, where are you lying with this race? I'm going to be very boring and go with Tom. I don't know if you're, you're, you remember, Jess, when we did the podcast two weeks ago, I highlighted Minzal's comeback run in the Ralph Stakes. And I said I was really looking forward to seeing him. Subsequently, when I was walking the track before his race, I bumped into Owen Burrows, who said they started him off in the Ralph um, because they didn't want to run him on deeper ground over six furlongs on his comeback run. And hopefully this is going to be a stepping stone to these bigger targets. And he, he just ran with so much promise. He probably didn't have the smoothest passes through. I'm not saying he'd have won, but it was a perfect prep run for this race. He's been very lightly raced, um, but he's he was so exciting as a two-year-old, and I just can't get away from him. I think he's, I think we kind of know where all the level of these horses are apart from him, and I think mm. he's got the ability to be sort of top of this bunch, especially with um, you know the likes of Starman not turning up and so forth. So I think it's it's definitely a winnable Group One for him, and I don't think he needs to improve too much. I think that comeback run was so interesting. Um, he shaped with plenty, a great deal of promise, and I think he'll improve for that. Yeah, there's probably lacking on that true Group One horse in this race with no Oxted, as you say, no Starman. Sadly, re retired this week, um, a true star for the Ed Walker team. But um, I think you know a brilliant case there for Minzal. I like one at a each way price who ran a superb race in the Haydock Sprint Cup, and that was Happy Romance, the filly. Uh, she will want it. The quicker, the better for her as well. She ran, she was fourth that, that day last time. She's been kept fresh too. Um, as long as, I'd love to have a look at, see how she is. You know, fillies at this time of year can sort of turn a little bit in their coats. Um, but if she's still on song, um, I think she could play a, a bit of a, a part in this at about, 16 to 1, so that's a good each way price as it stands. But 
a good competitive race and some good prices there as well, especially on Minzal. So good luck to the guys there. We'll head into the British Champions Phillies Demare Stakes over the mile four furlongs. Guys, I think, I feel like perhaps all the races might be the weakest of these um, Group 1 events um, in terms of what's been declared. Uh, we've got Snowfall in here who's ran, I think, a pretty good, decent, genuine run in the pre de Triomphe to finish sixth. Um, and, you know, her form before that speaks for itself outside of that. She's got the second favourite, Alba Flora, was well beaten by her in the in the Yorkshire Oaks. Um, invite, perhaps, is the unknown quantity. But, Tom, if anything, from my perspective anyway, um, Snowfall looks the one to beat quite justifiably. Do you think that's justified? Well, on rating, she is the horse to beat in here. Um, I think it's a pretty di- disappointing turnout. Uh, you know, you kind of want to see the likes of Love in here as well. Obviously, her blood results haven't come back. Ideal. She was supposed to run in the race, but Aiden's now running Snowfall here. She's only coming back off the arc um, after just 13 days. She's had a pretty long season and her form seems to have kind of plateaued. Um, She's clearly a very talented filly. It would be great to see her get back to winning ways here. I don't think it's the best betting heat, if I'm being honest. Um, I I think I'll probably be bypassing this myself. However, if there is one horse that I would want to back in here, it is Alba Flora. Now, maybe... It's a case of backing her, thinking that Snowfall may disappoint um, after the long season, because as you mentioned, Snowfall did uh, hammer her in the Yorkshire Oaks by four lengths. Alba Flora wasn't even close. The thing that makes me think Alba Flora can, can run well here is the fact that she's got a very good course record. She won um, the Buckhounds earlier this season by seven lengths in amazing fashion. Like She just drew clear. I tweeted that day, actually, saying that she would be Ross Ryan's first Group 1 winner. Um, I, I just thought she was so decisive in the way she just pushed clear of the field now she's kind of struggled at group one level since and group two as well um finishing behind snowfall in the yorkshire oaks however she has been running creditably i think this is a step down in class against slightly weaker opposition i know it's still a group one but it's a pretty i don't know there's no, not much strength and depth in the field aside from snowfall and maybe invite if she improves um so i think albaflora is probably the bet but again there's no rain about which uh, is a, it's a slight doubt she prefers soft ground um, to me, it's a pretty disappointing betting heat. Yeah, I agree. And George, look, the only thing um, Alba Flora negative that I would see is that she does have to give Snowfall six pounds as well, which is not ideal. Um, obviously, this is open to older mares, Feliz mares as well. And there's the tribal craft, a five-year-old as well. But otherwise, it's majority three-year-olds. It is an eight-runner race, so there probably is a bit of dead each way value around. But um, is there anything that takes your eye outside of Snowfall? Not really, no. I'm going to be very boring. Uh, Snowfall's £10 clear of Alba Flora, and she has, a, a, as you say, that's um, age allowance being a three-year-old, and I just think um, I, I believe, even if she doesn't turn up absolutely A1 after running 14 days ago, uh, 13 days ago in France, I think she's going to be very, very hard to beat. She's clear. I think this is a, a step down, a massive step down in grade from what she's been doing the last two starts, and um, it's very much her race to lose. Yeah, I think that race is sort of says speaks for itself really. Not a huge betting betting race. What it looks like Snowfall's race to lose. So we'll head into the Queen Elizabeth at the second stakes, one of the races of the weekend. It's been hyped up um since uh we've since the Sussex stakes, really. We're hoping to see um a clash again. We hope to see alcohol free back at her optimum trip. Baid, this sensation this season, um coming in back on home soil. Um to really take on the the sort of uh, absolute phenom- phenomenon that is Palace Pier, 
Um, this is a brilliant race, guys. Um, Palace Pier probably most likely will go off favourite and Baid, um Look, we don't really know if we've seen what he can deliver yet. And from what we've heard from William Haggis, he's just such a straightforward, easy horse um, that we might not have even got to the bottom of him yet. But the Prix de Moulin, the form of that race has not exactly been anything out of the ordinary. Order of Australia hasn't done huge amounts to help that. Um, was beaten really decisively at Keeneland um, over the weekend. Uh, a snow lantern as well was incredibly disappointing in the Sun Chariot. So the form not stacking up, the former Palace Pier beating Poetic Flair, who obviously ran a great race in the Irish Champion Stakes. That gives me more confidence behind Palace Pier, Tom. Where, what do you think? No, I'm completely with you, Jess. Um, I think Palace Pier deserves to be shorter than he currently is. I think he's around 13 to 8 with SBK right now. And that, to me, is a pretty decent bet if you like backing favourites. I think he should be around even money. Um, he's the champion, isn't he? He's won this. He's basically dominated the mile division for the last two years. Rated 125, £4 superior to Baid. He has looked invincible, barring that one defeat in this race last year when the ground was just bottomless. He, he lost a shoe and it looked that day like he was genuinely running on a flat tyre and three normal tyres, if you know what I mean. He was kind of like limping on his right side in the closing 100 yards. It was noticeable that he lost a shoe um, and he clearly didn't handle the ground. Since then, he's just proved superior to his rivals again. I think it's going to be the same case here. Bayid is, to me, priced up mainly on potential rather than what he's achieved. As you've mentioned, the form hasn't necessarily worked out. All of Australia, very disappointing, as you mentioned, at Keeneland. Didn't travel a yard um, and his previous effort in the Bonhams, he beat a horse called El Drama, who was disappointed since. Yes, he's very visually impressive. He moves through the race like Frankel. There have been comparisons. I don't think he's anywhere near as good as Frankel just yet. Um, and I want to be sticking with the champion, Palace Pier. Yeah, I feel like it's a hard argument to disagree with. I, I think, if anything, I might play in the without um, Palace Pier market because I think there could be a bit of value around that. I, like, I do like alcohol-free back at her trip. George... What do you think in terms of uh, this race? And um, is there, do, are you in a Palace Pier, Baid camp or something else? So I love Palace Pier. He, for me, he's, I completely agree with what Tom was saying. I think he should be clear in the market. He's um, a top class group one performer. He doesn't ever really let you down. He's tactically pretty versatile, whereas some of these need things to unfold in a certain way to be seen to best effect. Um, I do think there's going to be a lack of pace in this race. Um, and I'll, I'm going to have an each way bet, but I, 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 for me, Palace Pier is um, a proper champion. I don't think we really appreciate how how good he's been. Um, the one horse I think is massively overpriced, and tactically may well it may well suit and run a massive race as Ben Battle. I know he's getting on a little bit, but he's a very solid standard setter. He's been a proper Group One individual in his time, and um, he got off the mark after a sort of not a perfect prep um, for the season. So he, he won last time at Newmarket and I felt that this was a stepping stone to better things. And I just, I can't get away from his price. at the moment. I think he's represents massive value as an each way bet. And if, if there was going to be an upset, I think it would be him. Yeah, interesting. Got Pat Cosgrave on board. Uh, Oshin Murphy, obviously, on um, alcohol-free. Pat Cosgrave last rode Ben Battle back in 2018. He won the Labrat Stakes in, at Caulfield on him, which is amazing, really, if you think back three years now. Um, but they've got good... Um, they've got 
a good record when they when they team up together. And he uh, obviously returned to form in, in a great way. And interesting, as you say, he was risen, ridden very positively that day by um, by Oshin Murphy. So it'll be interesting to see how the tactics will develop there. I still think that alcohol-free can show give a really, really good account of herself back at the track that she won the coronation stakes on. Um, I've heard that she's been working... Uh, brilliantly um and look they 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 left her they left her at the sun chariot to, to aim at this race and she's coming off the back of a pretty long break and uh, she'll be my each way play as well and in, in a race that looks like on betting will be dominated by palace pier um and uh alcohol freeze around eight to one as we speak with sbk um we're going to move on guys to the champion stakes kipco champion stakes at 350 on saturday over one mile two, and we got the news this morning that Adaya, uh, the Derby, the King George winner, fourth in the Prelarch Triumph, has been declared with William Buick on board, which has just made this race absolutely mouthwatering, setting up a, another clash with Mishrif. Um, Adabe's back to defend his title. Dubai Honor in there as well. Seal Away, who was fifth um, in the arc as well, is, is being declared too. Um, guys, this is a cracking race. Um, it always is, um, but I think this probably could be one of, if not the races of the year, if um, if all these horses turn up on song. Mishrif uh, and Adaya probably will be vying for favouritism quite, I don't know why, I feel like Adaya absolutely deserves to be, like Palace Pier nearly, a strong market leader. Um, I'll come again to you, Tom, thoughts on this and maybe your idea on how it should be priced up. Well, I was with you on Palace Pier, but I'm not with you here on Adia. Now, I am a big fan of him. I think he's an exceptional three-year-old colt. Um, I liked how he travelled in the arc despite not getting a lead, which would have been ideal. And he put in a really quick sectional to move clear between three furlongs and two furlongs out. Um, maybe the early exertions took its toll or the ground um, eventually finished fourth. It was a very good run. Much like Snowfall early on the card, though, I'm still wary about that quick turnaround. It was a pretty testing um, race, Adia, especially off the layoff, and he suffered a a minor setback prior to that. So depends how he's come out of the race. But the fact he's been declared suggests he's come out f- flying at home. I'm going to be with Mishrif, though. Um, I think he's the more solid option in here. Now, that's not to say that Adiar can't win. I think he definitely can. I just would rather put my money on Mishrif. Um, in the King George, he was giving Adiar £11 beaten, um, and he was beaten a length and three quarters. He's now £7 better off here. Now, I know Adiar's progressed since then, which is obviously what happens in a horse's three-year-old um, campaign. They progress towards the end of the season. But I think Mishra's probably got a little bit of an edge off these new revised terms. And in the Jubmont last time, he just blew away that field. He moved clear. Um, I know it was an, against largely inferior rivals, but he was just so visually impressive. This has been his target as well. Um, he's been kept fresh for the race, whereas Adi I've seen just 13 days ago. So around, if, given they're around the same price in the market, I think I'd rather back Mishra. But Look, it's going to be a brilliant race. I can't wait for it, Jess. Yeah, I, it is. And look, the only thing that Adaya has got to d- d- deal with now, in my opinion, is this drop back in, in trip by two furlongs. Again, he does get a bit of a weight allowance off Mishrif, which is, I always feel, is key. He gets four pounds, George, which which will help. Um, your thoughts on this race and, and what looks like to be a, a, another epic uh, renewal of the champion stakes? It's a great race, Jess. And I feel... I was lucky enough to be up at York when Mishra won the Judmont and he was, it was a breathtaking performance and, I, and it was maybe wasn't the strongest race, but he was, for, for me, it was a career best from him. And um, the handicapper um, moved him up uh, three pounds. Uh, no, more than that. It was four pound rise for that, for that run. 
um, and, and, and sort of backed up that it was a career best effort. And I, I really like Adair, and I think coming back to 10 furlongs is not, not going to be an inconvenience, but he got very, very tired in the arc on pretty poor ground. And he raced enthusiastically in front, and I just felt he gave himself a hard time. And I just think, Mishra, if this has been the perfect prep, he's been catered for this race. And I'm not saying that's not been the case with Adair, but his his prep was for, for the arc. And um, obviously, he's come out of it in fantastic form, and they're, they're rolling the dice again. But I just think we don't really... Um, bang on about how good a performance that was of Mishrifts in the Judmont. I just thought it was absolutely breathtaking. And I think this is a perfect setup. 10 furlongs, hopefully run at a decent enough gallop on, on nice safe ground would be seen to best effect. Okay, interesting. So both Tom and George are very keen on Mishrif. And outside of this, guys, look, is there any, we've seen like, you know, last year um, where the Dave came in and won this race at nine to one was a bit of a shock in the end. We've got 10 runners. Is there any each way value around in here? I don't personally think so. I mean, I'm not the biggest each way punter. Um, so, you know, I, I, I find it hard to find each way value when there's two horses that I think are going to fill the first two places. You're therefore betting for third. Um, a Dave is probably going to run his race, but doesn't get the ground. Dubai on is an interesting um, addition to the race. But to me, it's just about the top two in the market. Okay, well, interesting uh, opinions all around there. We've got a bit of, I think we've got pieces of each way punting if we, if, if anyone wants it around on earlier races. The race that will be massively competitive and an absolute nightmare to figure out will be the final race of the day, which is the Balmoral Handicap, um, which, guys, look, it looks like John Gosden, John and Thady Gosden have thrown in some horses here who are seriously well either very well handicapped sort of group horses in a handicap type of thing or um or there are some sort of you know old timers who come back and always run good races in here it's always tricky to work out jesse harrington um threw a bit of a surprise last year in this race uh, i've been trying to work it out all morning i probably need a bit more time um but george um just quickly on this before we end is anything is anything do you feel like has been set up for this race that you would that you're quite keen on? Not so much set up, but a horse I know extremely well is Matthew Flinders of Ed Walkers. And I know this horse has a talent to win a race at this standard, um, off a mark of 103. He needs things to unfold in a certain manner. I've just got a funny feeling on this ground, a strongly run mile. Um, he's drawn in the middle, I think he's in stall 14. So he's gonna get his needed cover and just get into a nice rhythm. Um, William Buick's riding in fantastic form at the moment, as we're all aware. And I just think he's he knows his horse. He's ridden him before. I think he rode him at York um, earlier in the year. And I think they will. he will run extremely well. He's a, he's, he's a decent price, and I think he's a good each way bet in this race. Brilliant. Um, great insight as well. And obviously, William Buick is booked to ride as well, and this will be the final ride for him in what is, a, as I say, a very significant weekend too. So... Um, is he is he ridden in before William Buick? Is that a um, was that a an, an, a nice spare ride for him? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it, he has ridden before. He knows him. I think he rode him at York earlier in the year, and um, yeah, I think he'll he, he'll suit him. He's got good hands, William, and he's a horse that needs to get into a rhythm um, with something to aim at. So um, hopefully they can get the job done, and um, he he gets his his sort of big pot as such. Yeah, it'll be one of these horses are going to deserve a massive pot and a big day in the sun. Tom, have you been able to work this out? I haven't got a final conclusion just yet, Jess. Um, I've, I have 
been keeping in touch with these John and Thady Gosden runners. As you mentioned, there's a lot of horses in here that, you know, have been plying their trade at this kind of level for a long period of time. And looking through the role of honour, most of the winners um, shape like that. They've been in this division for a long period of time and they win the Balmoral. These two John and Thady Gosden trained runners, King Leonidas and Summer Major, they kind of buck the trend. Two unexposed horses, both potentially group class. Um, Summer Major, really impressive last time at Ascot. Beat a horse called Run to Freedom. Um, he was back in ninth or seventh that day. He won last night at Kempton, which is why I've lost my voice. Um, he, he looks a decent horse, Summer Major. He's a half-brother to Kingman as well. I think I narrowly prefer King Leonidas, who's a son of Kingman. Um, I think he's probably chucked in off his mark of 103, but I have yet to come up with a final conclusion on this race, Jess. Okay, well, look, I'm, I'm the same as you. I'm also going to watch the ground, see what happens. I do think Ross Collin um, could be a bit of an each-way poke, 16-1 to 1 with SBK. He's been running creditably throughout the season, another very shrewd purchase by those horse-watcher boys. Um, and I think if they get a little bit of rain or if it's on the easy side of good, he will um, he will enjoy this test. He, he ran such a brilliant race um, at Goodwood in the summer mile, in the golden mile. Um, and I think that he just really relishes and thrives off a strongly run race. Um, so he could give David O'Meara and Danny Tullope a good day as well. Um, it's... Um, it's a massive day, guys. There's so much to look forward to on Saturday. Um, I would like now, after last weekend's um, naps and each way plays went went quite well for us, um, I need a, and a nap for the weekend and an each way, even though, Tom, you're not mad on them. You're going to have to be just for today. Um, if you could share them for me now, George. Um, so my my nap is going to be Mishrif and the champion. Um he is a very special horse, and I just think this is a very. It, this has been a plan for a long time. It's probably the, it's going to be the last time we see him. He's going. To, I think it all indicates he's going to be retired after this. So, um, just go and if you're there, I'm going to stay around and, and watch him run there. And um, I look forward to wishing him goodbye, and hopefully he can get into the number one spot. Brilliant, and an each way bet for the weekend. So my each way bet is going to be Matthew Flinders in the Balmoral Handicap. Um, as I say, he's also know extremely well. He's very talented individual, and I just think this this is going to set up perfectly. And he's had a little bit of time, and hopefully he's going coming here in, in, in really good form. Fantastic! Um, thank you for that, George and Tom. Your two selections. And that's going to be Palace Pier in the QE2. I um, just think he's a real good price, despite the fact he's favourite. I think it should be a lot shorter. And the each-way selection will be Berkshire Rocco in the long-distance cup against Trushan and Stradivarius, who obviously hold the key to the race, but Berkshire Rocco has been primed and is a double-figure price. Brilliant. OK, fabulous. Well, I'm with you as well, Tom, with Palace Pier. He'll be my nap. Um, not as big a price as last week's nap, but I think he should be a lot, lot shorter than he is. Um, and might even get shorter um but he is as we say an absolute sensation and he deserves um he deserves to win this race um after last year and the the, the nightmare he had um so i'll be i'll be rooting for him um my each way selection um will be happy romance in the sprint um a very solid filly always runs a big race will lo love this test and um, she's always slightly overlooked in the betting and she will want the ground to just dry up, which I hope it will do for her. Um, and she will be around the 16 to 1 mark. Um, all right, guys. Well, a brilliant stuff. Um, a lot to look forward to. Um, fantastic uh, weekend action. Um, 
Tom, I hope you rest up that voice of yours. Um, it does sound it does sound very husky. <laughs> I don't know if you are unwell or or not, but it's great to hear that you've been screaming home winners. That means you're in good form. Um, so let's hope it let's hope that continues. George, I hope you have a nice raspy voice as well after Matthew Flinders does the job for you on on Saturday as well. Thank you to everyone for listening again to another edition of the SBK Betting Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on all your podcast platforms, and we'll be back again next week for more racing action. 